Talking on podcasts. Thank you, Run DMC. Hi, everybody. Welcome on in to the Check Your Brain podcast. Here, wherever you're listening to this, I'm doing something a little different today. Because if you have listened to my Patreon podcast, you're going to hear a lot of maybe some crossover of what I've talked about on my podcast before. We're talking a lot about today's topic at hand and Joe Rogan censorship standards, everything like that. So if you're on Patreon, you probably heard me talk about some of these subjects before. Normally when I do free podcasts, they're usually with a guest and it's an interesting conversation. They're promoting a book or just, you know, shooting the you-know-what. But today I wanted to do something kind of like what I do on my Patreons where I have this conversation, I play some clips, and kind of get into talking about these subjects that are You know, they're being talked about right now, but for how long? And I think the irony is that I'm going to be talking about Joe Rogan today on my free podcast that's going out onto all the podcast platforms, including Spotify. (laughs) I just, I I like the irony when talking about it. My exclusive deal, I'm only going to be on Spotify. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to be wherever you get your finer podcasts, so I appreciate you folks listening to this. And uh, yeah, if you want more rants like this, and I talk about... Various topics, you know, serious, silly, going back and forth, talking about comedy, radio, sports. I had a Hall of Fame podcast talking about the Baseball Hall of Fame a couple of weeks ago. That was pretty fun. So you go back and check that out. That's patreon.com slash Tony Mazer. For your freeloaders, this is what you're going to get. It's talking a lot about these subjects that are on my Patreon. So that's what I want to talk about today. So let's talk about this whole Joe Rogan situation. I am recording this, by the way. If you're hearing it for free, it is on Wednesday. So as early as you're going to get it, if you're getting it for free, is at 3 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday, which would be uh, February 9th. Right now I'm recording this in the afternoon on Sunday, February 6th. So by the time you might hear this, there might be some outdated stuff. This is just kind of what I gathered over the weekend. I have a really busy week. Because I'm on the air at my radio job, too. So I had to fit in a podcast at this time just because I'm just, you know, I'm a, I'm a boss now. I'm a program director at a radio station. So kind of kind of got things to do. So the whole uh, – so a lot of the stuff that we I'm talking about today, by Wednesday, who knows? Spotify could just have since cut the cord – with Joe Rogan said, look, we just don't want to deal with it, don't want to deal with the backlash, and we need to take care of things right now. So who knows? So let's get into talking about who Joe Rogan is. Why is he important? Why is he the center of discourse nowadays? The guy is a comedian who did some acting and then hosted a weird show where you're eating, you know, horse testicles mixed with like a uh, a guano <laughs> gravy. This is who he was at the time. And he also was big into mixed martial arts. That's what he was doing before he got into comedy. He was doing wrestling and mixed martial arts back in the day. And then Taekwondo. And then he ended up getting into comedy because he was one of the sillier types of 
uh, guys when they were on bus trips when he was in high school and in his early 20s. Then he ends up going from Boston. He moved around growing up, grew up in, but he, he did a lot of his um, formative years in Boston, ended up making the trek to New York and then eventually to Los Angeles. And he's out there and he's on TV shows. He's getting development deals and pilots and was on a very short-lived show called, I think it was called Hardball, before that movie came out with Keanu Reeves. But this was, uh, I think he was a baseball player, which is ironic because Joe's not a sports fan. Like, he doesn't really know, it's odd, but he doesn't know sports like baseball, basketball, football. He doesn't really know the figures other than who've crossed over into becoming celebrities like a, you know, a Dennis Rodman or something. You, You know what I mean? So Rogan ends up being on news radio. He ended up becoming pretty good friends with the cast and Phil Hartman. And, and, but he had continued doing comedy, and that's who he is. He's a comedian who smokes pot, likes mixed martial arts, and likes having interesting, thought-provoking conversations. This is who we're talking about, this big, bad Joe Rogan. Now, uh, full disclosure, I've never met Joe. I don't know if I'll ever met, meet Joe. Who knows? I, or if our paths cross, I'm not, the, not big enough in the business. But Joe is a, uh, uh, as far as his stand-up, never been the biggest fan, to be honest. Not the big, different strokes, you know. There's a lot of comics who I'm actually friends with. Who I'm like, eh, their comedy's all right, but they're a great guy. You know, Gino Bisconti comes to mind. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding, Gino, if you're listening to this. I love you. You know I love you. They'll be at the Funny Stop coming up next month in March here in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, with the Comedians of the Compound with Anthony Cumia and Aaron Bird. But there are certain comics that, uh, yeah, okay, not the biggest fan, but I get what they're doing. And Joe was kind of one of those guys that his comedy was just like, ah, it's there, people like it, just not for me. There's a lot of comics that I really like that are certainly not for everybody, trust me. I've been to a lot of them. I saw Gilbert Gottfried the first time in concert, or not in concert, but uh, performing. And I remembered this couple who was sitting next to me. And Gilbert's on stage doing his jokes, and he's doing impressions of people who have been dead for 70 years now, like Lon Chaney Jr. And her boyfriend or the husband is almost on the floor laughing. And I see the, the woman, who, like the girlfriend or the wife, and she's like, I don't get this. I don't get it. So, yeah, that happens. It's going to happen. But that's who Rogan is. And Rogan ended up doing a podcast because he was a frequent guest on shows like The Opie and Anthony Show and The Howard Stern Show and enjoyed being on some of these shows, even though you have to wake up at the crack of dawn to promote your shows in the morning. But he was a guy that liked the hang. He liked the feel of where it's not like, hey, we got Joe Rogan here. Joe's going to be performing at the Chuckle Hut tonight. Uh, Two shows on Thursday, two Friday, two Saturday, and one on Sunday. So, Joe, I hear you're from uh, Boston, right? Yeah, yeah. He liked the fact that it was just guys hanging out. The feeling of you're at a cigar lounge. You don't really know that person. But by the end of the cigar, you really got to know that person. And he's like, what if we did a show like that and we just put it on the Internet? Just with a bunch of dudes, we all get together, maybe have some bourbon, a cigar, and just, you know, just talk. Just have a good time. And that's what it came from, was just a lot of his comic friends or friends in the business or uh, mixed martial arts guys 
they all got together and just, yeah, let's hang out. Let's talk UFC. Let's talk comedy. Let's talk about what's going on. And then as his podcast and appeal grew, he started interviewing people who were very interesting, whether they were professors, whether they were um, people who have made news. And then you were starting to see that in the last five, six years where he was booking people like Brett Weinstein and Eric Weinstein from Evergreen College up in uh, the Pacific Northwest where they were having basically shut out white people day. And Joe's like, that's an it's an interesting conversation to have here. And that's where this term, the intellectual dark web popped up with people who were classical liberals. Because this is what it comes down to. This is what's hilarious about this whole thing is that people think Joe Rogan is this far right winger who gives a platform to even further right wing people. When in reality, Joe even said two years ago that he would vote for Bernie Sanders. Joe Rogan was a Ron Paul supporter. I don't know about in 2008, but there is a photo of him on the couch, I think at maybe The Tonight Show, and he's sitting next to Ron Paul wearing a Ron Paul shirt. And full disclosure for me, I'm a Ron Paul supporter, and to this day, and I think he's done just immeasurable work promoting the idea of liberty that cannot even be counted right now. We, we really won't even know and the fact that he was able to kind of save the country, and Joe felt that way. But he's a classical liberal. And this intellectual dark web where you were talking to, you know, the, anyone from the, – the, they could be any part of the political spectrum, like who, depending on who you vote for. But the idea was have conversations, even ones that are unpopular, topics that are unpopular for some folks. And that was part of that intellectual dark web with the Barry Weisses of the world, with uh, Jordan Peterson, with even to the likes of a Ben Shapiro. But Joe Rogan was a big reason for it. And he would give people an opportunity to explain themselves on his show. That's why Jordan Peterson, for decades, was a psychology professor in Toronto. No one knew who he was. And yet, he's, when they were talking about the, the pronouns and it, up in Canada... And he didn't, just didn't feel comfortable and had this whole debate. I, I don't want to really get into it. And the, I think, uh, was it Kathy Newman was the reporter who was kind of grilling him. And because, because of this, Joe Rogan invited him on the show. Here's another one, James Damore. James Damore from Google, where they put out a memo that was, he felt, again, a, not a right-wing guy, but felt uncomfortable with how this woke ideology that's really plaguing these but Fortune 500 companies. He felt really uncomfortable with this memo that was going out in Google. And they fired him over it, and Joe had him on. He's a guy who's a, like an, an Adam Driver type of uncomfortable type of person. But he was on this podcast explaining his side, because that's what it should be, in my opinion. I think more speech is good, even if it's speech I don't agree with. This is what it comes down to. Well, here's the problem. Is we're, Joe Rogan's appeal is mainly towards young men. And in a society that over and over again, it's just a continual crap fest on young, mainly white men, a lot of it, but men in general. 
there, in my opinion, there is a war of a certain extent, to a certain extent, on men. And you're seeing this with the femininity of men and how any type of masculinity is considered toxic masculinity. So then all of a sudden you have this Joe Rogan, a guy who's a UFC commentator, and he's got tattoos. He's bald, He shaves his head now. He shoots, you know, he has elk meat in his fridge, in his freezer. He's living off the land in a lot of ways. Even though, you know, he's got a nice studio, he's got a whole nice setup, he's moved from L.A. to Austin, and he's kind of a, a, an alpha. But you notice in society, we don't like alphas anymore, because that's toxic masculinity. Remember a couple of years ago, that Gillette ad? Say, hey, hey, you know, you can't catcall women, you can't, you know, come on, bro. It's, it, it, it was really, the, the attacks on masculinity in my opinion, have gone way over the top. So there's a marketplace for people who do like Joe Rogan or who like barstool sports. You're allowed to like girls with a nice body and you're allowed to like drinking beer. You're allowed to do like these things. Is that okay? I think it should be. But here we are. Now Joe Rogan, the reason he is getting attacked by the media, by the government. Yes, the government, and I'm going to get into more of that in just a couple of minutes here. That's a radio tease. But he's being attacked by everybody now. And he's and he, now the special interest groups have sicked on them. And I don't know what's going to happen with Joe. I have a feeling. But what Joe did is he rattled the cage. Whether he did so or knowingly or not. I mean, the guy is not a... Yes, he's not an expert. He doesn't have a medical degree. He's promoting misinformation and disinformation. and That's what we're hearing right now. And then you have Neil Young, and you have um, Joni Mitchell. You have India Ari. You have Mary Trump and other podcasts and uh, David Crosby. They want their catalogs pulled off of Spotify. Here's ultimately what what it comes down to and what's happening they neil young does not give a crap i'm I'm not i'm gonna try not to curse in this podcast you can go to my patreon if you want to hear a lot of the cursing trust me i frequent f-bombs no not too frequent it's not bad neil young does not care about joe broke and misinformation that's bullcrap the guy was part of you know, he has a whole laundry list of things of him saying, you know, gay slurs and things back in the day. If we really want to play that game. Ultimately, these artists are complaining because uh, they're not getting the right. I mean, this is like the Napster debate from 2000 with Lars Ulrich and Metallica is they're not getting the royalty fees that they think they deserve. And now, honestly, in a perfect world, yeah, they you create an art a commercial art, you should get compensated as such. And when you realize that, you know, for every, I, I don't know the exact number, but for like every eight, mil, eight million listens to a song like uh, Four Dead in Ohio, you're making like $6. So they're not making a lot of money over it. And a lot of this is kind of a false flag. It's, it's, a, it's an argument in bad faith, if you ask me. 
And that's, I think, what's happening. But they want to attach themselves to this hero worship and go like, look at me, I stood up for, against medical misinformation. Good for you, Neil Young. Thank Christ you're here. Wow. If it wasn't for Neil Young, wow. Counterculture to cancel culture. That's a great line. I don't know who said that, but it's hilarious. But all the people attacking Joe Rogan, you find, find it funny. Have any of them listened to his podcast? If any of them, has any of them listened to a three-hour Joe Rogan podcast? Four hours, two and a half hours, five hours. He had Alex Jones on one time. I think it was like almost six hours. Oh, but he's giving Alex Jones the Sandy Hook truther and vaccine. Oh, you can't do that. They've never listened to a Joe Rogan podcast. But it's the same thing what happened past 1987, the Fairness Doctrine. So the Fairness Doctrine got rid of that middleman back in the late 80s of talk radio doesn't have to have a point-counterpoint, that you have to have a balanced opinion on each side. Now, if you really break it down, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, now that I mention that, the Fairness Doctrine, you're going to start to hear that more and more about how we need to bring up competing viewpoints. But here's the problem. It's never... When they say, oh, no, see, we have the experts on. Well, the experts, the medical experts, have been wrong a lot. And a lot of it been caught dead being wrong. But remember, they're on the right side of history, and they're correct. But there's no counterpoint to their point. Because, no, 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 those, that's what the experts have said. See, you're wrong because you're spreading misinformation, and you're a truther, and you're anti-vaxxer, and anti-masker, and anti-this and that. They've castigated people for just having either an opinion or a conversation, a debate, or just random questions through this whole process of COVID. But it goes back even further. So when I said that these people have never listened to Joe Rogan, it was the same thing as what happened back in the early 90s with Rush Limbaugh. Now, again, you don't have to like Rush Limbaugh. I've done a, I did a whole podcast a year ago when he passed away about how Rush Limbaugh you didn't have to like him, but he was a master at his craft, at what he did. He knew when people were listening to him most, which is right at, on the East Coast. It was at 12 noon. And he signed on about 12.06, 12.07. He knew what he had to hit in that first segment and carry those listeners through the show. But a lot of the people complained and said, this guy's a blowhard, this guy's sexist, racist, blah, 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 blah. And the response in those days was, have you listened to him? Well, no, no, but, like, I just know, because I heard a clip on, but if you listen to him. And I, I think with the amount of information and the accessibility and availability of a, say, for example, a Joe Rogan podcast, that if you're going to criticize him, how about you listen to more than just that 45-second clip that, uh, you know, what's his name, Aaron Rupar posted on his Twitter account that gets 12,000 retweets and 82,000 likes. How about you listen to the full clip and hear the context? But no one wants to hear the context anymore. That's what we have. So they're going after Rogan right now in many different ways. Now they're going after him about him using the N-word in previous podcasts. And I, I, I guess the story was that he took down 
a few controversial episodes like he had with Milo Yiannopoulos, with Gavin McInnes, with Alex Jones, and that and Owen Benjamin was another one they had to get rid of, a bunch of them. And then there were even more now that were taken off of Joe Rogan. And it's, I think it's over 100. Now, was he saying, saying like, was it like 70 podcasts? They said, oh, he said the N-word in them. But there was context. Now, I know you don't, people who are arguing with their radio right now, wherever you're listening to this, there's context to what was going on. So they have all these compilations of Joe dropping the N-word. Now, he talks about this here. I'm going to play the clip here of Joe Rogan kind of talking about the context of why he actually used the word instead of just saying the N-word. Hello, friends. Um, I'm making... Hello, friends. Um, I'm making this video to talk about the most regretful and shameful thing that I've ever had to talk about publicly. There's a video that's out that's a compilation of me saying the N-word. It's a video that's made of clips taken out of context of me of 12 years of conversations on my podcast, and it's all smushed together, and it looks fucking horrible, even to me. Now, I know that to most people, there's no context where a white person is ever allowed to say that word, never mind publicly on a podcast. And I agree with that now. I haven't said it in years, but for a long time, when I would bring that word up, like if it would come up in conversation and stay, instead of saying the N word, I would just say the word. I thought as long as it was in context, people would understand what I was doing. Like that context was part of the clip we were talking about Red Fox, how Red Fox said that word on television in the 1970s and how times have changed so much since then. Or about how Richard Pryor used it as one of the titles of one of his albums or I was quoting a Lenny Bruce bit, or I was quoting a Paul Mooney bit, or a, I was talking about how Quentin Tarantino used it repeatedly in Pulp Fiction, or I was talking about how a Netflix executive, ironically, used it because he was trying to compare it to another offensive word, and he said it out loud, and they fired him. Not calling anybody or just saying the word out loud. I was also talking about how there's not another word like it in the entire English language. Okay, I'm going to just stop it right there. Just He's providing the context of what he was talking about here. So he wasn't calling people that word. He was saying because inst- Louis C.K. had a whole bit about it where it, it was like, I want to talk about the N-word. And it actually says the word. He's like, no, not that word just saying the N-word. So now you're putting that word, now it's like, oh, you're making me say it in my head, go, oh, I know what that word is. Clearly it's the N-word and it says it. And there was a time, especially on podcasts, where you, I mean, believe it or not, if you're listening to this and you're just kind of somebody who stumbled upon this or you're one of my left-wing friends, you say, well, there's no excuse for him to say any of that. Okay, well, how many times when you were growing up that you said the word faggot? or you said something was retarded, or you're acting retarded. Yes, times change. Language changes. Uh, But are are you going to apologize for everything you said? Are we going to go back in time and really try to take down everything? I mean, how many people, for example, were left-wing people, 
you know, the, the woke coalition, they had a chief Wahoo hat when they were growing up. Like you grew up in Cleveland in the 90s and you had a big chief Wahoo on your hat. That you never once looked at that in 1996 and went, wow, this looks really racist. This is very Sambo-ish. Sambo-ish. That I, I can't, or, or if you're a Washington Redskins fan and you had the starter jacket, the, you know, the, the maroon and the gold starter jacket, and you had this large profile of a, of a Native American on it. Did you look at that and go, wow, this is really racist? As Doug Williams is winning a Super Bowl for you, I mean, you didn't because you grew up and you realized that context in some ways did matter. And you realize where we were as society is how society progresses or sometimes even regresses. So Joe, but here's the big thing. This whole compilation of Joe using the N-word in different contexts to talk about, like he said, the Richard Pryor albums, talking about Quentin Tarantino using it in his movies like Django and Pulp Fiction. That's honestly, in my, my opinion, frivolous, completely frivolous. This is just a way that that was put out there to anger more people who didn't really have a thing to say about the whole vaccine stuff. Because I don't think a lot of people, especially it's like, I don't. there were a lot of black people that really have not gotten the vaccine. They don't trust the government. I mean, you talk about the Tuskegee experiment and everything. There's a lot of distrust of public health in the black community. It's still happening. So in, uh, if... if the way I see it, a compilation like that's to put out there to make black people mad at Joe Rogan. And then here's going to be more compilations of him talking about Fallon Fox and transgender swimmers, uh, biological men who are defeating biological women, even though now they identify whether they're pre-op, post-op, um, transgenders who are swimming or who are competing at the highest level in different sports, including mixed martial arts. And Joe Rogan made the point several years ago, he says, I feel very uncomfortable watching a biological man that, okay, maybe you're taking some estrogen, but you are a biological man beating the crap out of a woman. He's like, I, I get really uncomfortable by it. But in today's society, can't say that because that's transphobic. So now Joe's a transphobe. He's now a racist because he used the N-word. It didn't matter the context. And that's what we're going with right now. But that's besides the point. This is These are all just pylons right now. Rogan is being attacked from all areas now. But ultimately what he did is he gave a platform to Dr. Peter McCullough and Dr. Robert Malone, two folks who have been skeptical of these mRNA vaccines. And big government is working with big pharma in tandem with big tech to put this information out. And yet nobody's going to say anything when you hear Jen Psaki in the White House wants to start looking into censoring Joe Rogan. I'm not kidding. They were talking about this. In fact, several months ago, Jen Psaki made a point by saying that the White House is working with Facebook slash Instagram and Twitter and YouTube about trying to weed out the quote-unquote misinformation. I'm sorry, but when, when you do that, the topic of 
it's a private company. They have their rules. Private company, bro. That goes way out the friggin' window, if you ask me. That goes out the window right now. If you have the government is colluding with big tech to censor people that they deem mis- and disinformation, that whole private company nonsense is done. Forget about it. You can't just say, hey, you went against our terms of service here. You didn't read the fine print, so we're booting you. No, this is the government telling them what to do. But nobody has a problem with it because private company, private company, bro. It's, it's just incredible. So why are we going through this right now? Why is Joe Rogan a more respected figure by a lot of people, like millions? I mean, you're talking about more people will listen to a Joe Rogan podcast. And by the way, more people probably now than ever. This is the best. If Spotify doesn't budge and they just say, look, this is what he is a, he is a show. He has his opinions. We have our opinions, and we just have a good working relationship. So, yeah, if you have that, this nonsense starts to go away, and Joe can continue doing his podcast. For example, we're talking about Joe Rogan. Oh, you know, how terrible. I can't believe what Joe Rogan's saying. Let's take a look at – I'm on his YouTube page right now. So, again, this is Sunday. Let's take a look at who he's interviewed and what they were talking about. Is this this far right wing guy that we're talking about? We've got talking about Chinese apps using facial scans on teenage gamers. Interesting topic. MMA. This is just in the last couple of days. We have a little bit of Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson talking about the Joker and talking about getting off of benzos. Talking about the Bible, Jordan Peterson as well. Now we have a conversation with H.R. McMaster. We have Aliens. We have Shane, uh, is it Shane Gillis? Yeah. Shane Gillis and Ari Shafir talking about smelling salts. And Jeffrey Epstein. Then you have uh, who's uh, the Hot Pocket guy talking about George Carlin, Jim Gaffigan. Then you have Oliver Stone on John F. Kennedy. You have Carrot Top, about Carrot Top getting ripped. So this dangerous misinformation guy yeah, seems to have a conversation with a lot of different people on a lot of different topics. Interesting. I think that's interesting. Now, I'll be honest. I've listened to Joe Rogan's podcast off and on for the better part of a decade. I don't listen to every episode. I'll look, uh, at least when, because uh, I, I honestly, I don't have Spotify. But when he was on the, the Apple podcast, I would look and go, oh, new Joe Rogan. Today. Eh, I don't care about, I don't care about MMA. I don't care about the UFC. I would delete it. I wouldn't listen to that one. But then if he does have a Jordan Peterson, if he does have somebody who's interesting, or a comic that I like, then, oh, okay, yeah, I'll listen to it. Another Joey Diaz episode. Okay, sure. I'll listen to that. I'll hear Joey's stories. You know, dog. Dog, you know. (laughs) Lived in Boulder, but I grew up in Jersey. Okay. All right, Coco. (laughs) But I don't have to listen to every episode. So it sounds to me, when I just look at that, I don't even... Three-hour podcast. I just look at those clips. 
those seem like a wide array of topics to me. It sounds to me like what I said at the beginning of this podcast, that there is a man who has the feeling of being at a cigar lounge. You have a glass of scotch or something, scotch, maybe, I don't know, maybe a little tequila. You have a nice stogie, and you're just talking. Is that a bad thing? Apparently it is. Can't talk about things. And I guarantee you, we're going to start hearing about a fairness doctrine coming up. But here's what it comes down to. This is the reason for Joe Rogan's success is the failure of mainstream mass media. And not just mainstream media, mass media. So I'm not just talking about the news stations and radio and television and newspapers. I'm talking about mass media in general. Why are people going to a 50-plus-year-old comedian who smokes pot and likes mixed martial arts and shoots elk and puts it in his freezer and eats that? Why are people drawn to this guy as opposed to, oh, I don't know, Don Lemon or Wolf Blitzer or Jake Tapper or Anderson Cooper? Why are more people drawn to that? And ultimately, CNN, after what's happened the last week, where you have Jeff Zucker, who's just, he, ba- he has a mistress, essentially, and just banged her all the way to the top. I mean, from being basically an intern to basically having her running CNN. It was a completely inappropriate relationship. So why are more people trusting a 53-year-old shaved-headed, tattooed, mixed martial arts guy who likes talking about weed and space aliens over the most trusted name in news. Can someone explain that to me? Let's hear, but let's hear uh, why. I mean, this is a great example. Why don't we trust CNN? Here's a nice supercut from Tom Elliott and Grabian. We are not fake news. We are real news. Much of the dossier has been corroborated. Some rioters were planning to murder lawmakers. What does Putin have on Trump? Has Trump been compromised? That Kavanaugh aided and abetted in the commission of a gang rape. But it does look like that young man to me is taunting the Native American Vietnam vet. And he's in his face. When you start whipping people with, and you want to split hairs between reins and whips. There is no evidence of any wrongdoing by either Joe or Hunter Biden. Looking ahead to 2020, uh, one reason why I'm taking you seriously as a contender is because of your presence on cable news. A Michael Avenatti. conspiracy theory that the coronavirus was created in a Chinese laboratory. Dr. Fauci, thank you uh, for keeping it straight. Thank you for fighting the good fight. We know the science. We know that masks work. This is now a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It is now a pandemic of choice. You can stay unvaccinated if you want, but you're not going to be able to travel to see your family. Joe Rogan, uh, he came down with COVID. He says he says he's been taking the uh, livestock dewormer uh, ivermectin. I hope you are able to appreciate what you did in your state and what it means for the rest of the country. Disturbing video last night showed Jacob Blake unarmed, being shot by police. Obviously, we do it overseas against our adversaries. Okay, so uh, let me interrupt here. I, I, I don't even have to play the next. There's one more minute left in here. These are all lies on CNN. All lies. In the last couple of years, the dossier. Where is the proof of this? Anything with the Trump dossier was at all real. Oh, there were hookers urinating all over beds in Russia. No proof of that. Where's the P-tape? I've been told there's a P-tape. 
And you know damn well that if there was a P tape, <laughs> people in the media would definitely have found it by now. Seems to tell me that there's probably no P tape. You have the situation with Nathan Phillips and Nicholas Sandman from Covington Catholic. Oh, he's intimidating him because he's smiling at a Native American. Yet, no, that wasn't true. I mean, seriously, just, just going through all of this. Jacob Blake was armed. He had a knife that is considered armed. Masks, cloth masks don't really work that well, especially with Omicron. Um, well, there, remember, you were getting banned from social media because you would say that the uh, coronavirus, the COVID-19, uh, came from a, a lab. No, 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 it was from bats. It was from pangolins and bats at wet markets. Let's see, what else was up? Yeah, Michael Avenatti. They, they basically, they had Michael Avenatti on every day and telling him, oh, you're the one guy who's going to beat Trump. Well, by the way, Michael Avenatti going to prison. So, yeah, how's that working out? Let's see. Yeah, they said no wrongdoing between, with the Ukraine and Hunter Biden. That came out. It was false. Uh, oh, yeah, whipping migrants on horseback. With their reins? Yeah, yeah, that's what they were doing. No, not true. Um, yeah, Brett Kavanaugh, oh, he's a serial rapist. No proof of that. I mean, this is CNN. This isn't Joe Rogan. If you ask me, you, you listen to all that. That sounds a lot like misinformation. It sounds like a lot of lies. And here's the thing. I'll even give the benefit of the doubt. If you heard if, uh, that BuzzFeed posts this whole thing about the Steele dossier and hookers peeing on beds on Trump in Russia and all these other things, and if CNN actually came out, and not just CNN, MSNBC, even Fox News, any of these outlets, came out and said, gosh, you know, we had this story completely wrong. We kept hyping up for three years that Trump colluded with Vladimir Putin and Russia to win the 2016 election. By the way, you're not allowed to say the big lie of the 2020 election being stolen, but you're still allowed to say 2016 was stolen. But on CNN, it was going on, and there's never been a retraction. Never, ever, ever, ever been a retraction. Not one time are they going on air and apologizing that their coverage was misinformation. They just run with it. This is just how it is with them. And that's why people are going to alternative media outlets. This is a problem. This is a problem for media. I think it's a great problem, in my opinion. I think more speech, more opportunities to get your voice, to get your opinions out there, are for the best. But some people don't want that. And that's what the problem is with Joe Rogan, a podcast like mine, is what it ultimately what it should be is the marketplace should decide. The marketplace should decide on what people enjoy. And the problem is alternative media was getting too big and it was hurting mainstream media. Because ultimately, and I say this as somebody who works in media, at a radio station. Now, granted, lowest on the totem pole as far as the entertainment business and as far as breaking news. But ultimately, 
what we're doing in radio, in television, and newspapers are just nothing more than propaganda wings. We are a propaganda mouthpiece for the state is what happens. Think about what happened during COVID the whole time. Every place it was just we had to sit there. Remember this two years ago? We had to sit at home, shut down every business, be locked down. Oh, wait, no, I'm told that there wasn't actually a lockdown because there wasn't a police presence outside of everyone's homes. That if you went out, if you went outside to let your dog take a dump on the lawn, that you were going to get arrested for it because you weren't wearing a mask. We have to stay home. Stay home. Stay safe. Wear a mask. Wear two masks while you're in your home. And all of that was going on. And what did we do? From March 2020 until, well, until June, was we had to sit at home and wait for our governor and the unelected appointed health director to give us information on what we can do tomorrow. And I had to hear my stupid, yes, I'm going to say our stupid governor in Ohio, the rhino Mike DeWine. Sit there, and ultimately, I mean, this is during the alpha of the variant. This is the alpha of COVID-19. And had to sit there when wine with DeWine, when all the white women would get together and pour a glass of Cabernet. Like, are we going to go Cab or should I go? Oh, let's see. Well, I like Merlot. Let's do that. Let's do wine with DeWine with Dr. Amy Acton and Mike DeWine. And DeWine had to go up there and talk about his wife's ru- strawberry rhubarb pies. And that, uh, oh, you know, my, uh, uh, my tie today is uh, from Denison University. Yes, Denison. It's in, uh, it's, uh, in central Ohio. And uh, I don't care. I don't – nobody – can we go back to living normal life? Oh, wait, no, we can't because we have to have the governor's orders. And what happened? The media had to be the mouthpiece. Well, Governor DeWine and Dr. Acton said that if you, uh, if you cough when you're outside, that it's going to be a whirlwind of germs and possible COVID that swirls in the air for as long as nine hours. I'm not kidding. Some, my grandfather told me that. He said he heard somewhere that COVID, if somebody coughs outside, that it will stay in the air. For nine hours. You know how you're outside and you're breathing steam because it's cold? And you go, He's, he believed because he heard somewhere that it's just going to be this tornado of COVID. I'm like, where did you hear that? Well, yeah, I heard that from somewhere. That's the problem. That's what we have. That's a major problem. That's, in, in fact, that's misinformation. Here's more misinformation. Why do we still have plexiglass barriers? That did not stop COVID, by the way. I still go into restaurants. It's February 2022. We're, we're 23 months into this pandemic right now. The plexiglass did nothing because we knew pretty early on that this was an airborne virus. And if you have an airborne virus, your little plexiglass that's separating the two tables makes as much sense as 20 years ago at Denny's by saying we have a smoking section and a non-smoking section. Actually, that makes more sense. 
You can say, hey, maybe we have better ventilation over here and we'll be fine. That makes more sense than having a plexiglass barrier separating one booth from another because of COVID? Or how about the mask thing? Let's talk about, let's do this. Let's talk about mask theater because you still see it to this day, depending on where you're at. Now, I'm in Ohio. We do not have mandated masks here. Um, The governor cannot make sweeping health decisions, and the Republican state legislature put that in there, and so we don't, some places will require them, like schools and everything, but even, even that messaging is changing. But this whole thing about, you could put your, you, when you walk into a restaurant and you put your mask on, you, so you have your mask on. Uh, yes, uh, can we get two, please? All right, uh, come with me. And you walk through with your mask on, and then you can sit down. Now I can take the mask off. But if I stand up, I got to put the mask back on. But if I sit back down, see, COVID, not only does COVID know not to be spread when you're sitting down, but it knows when you're standing up, because that's where it really attacks you. And then COVID also knows not to be out too late, because we had a curfew. We had a curfew. There was curfews all over the place, but in Ohio, that we had a 10 o'clock curfew. So if you were going to go watch a, a ball game, like the say a national championship game or Super Bowl, you'd have to leave by halftime because COVID only comes out at 10.01 p.m. See, COVID's fine up until 9.59, but then after that, it knows. Now, I get why the thinking that they were doing with, because they're thinking, oh, well, people are going to have some alcohol, they're going to want to gather and be a little bit too close to each other. And, uh, yeah, that's what's going to happen. No, here's what happened. You saw the spike at the end of 2020 that was going up after Thanksgiving and into Christmas and New Year's because you told people COVID comes out after 10 o'clock, so you sent them all home. Well, people, what are they going to do when they get home? Read their Bibles? They're going to read a couple of passages in the Bible and then go to bed. They got their little stocking cap, you know, your little nightcap. You go to bed in your striped pajamas, and you shut the light off. No, they went to parties because you said, hey, wait a second, I can't go to a bar, but hey, I'm having a couple of people over. Well, is that allowed because of COVID? And it's like, gives a crap. I'll do whatever I want here. So where am I going with all this? Sounds to me that a lot of this is either old science or it's misinformation. So if we're going to apply the standard to Joe Rogan, why don't we apply the standard to mainstream news? Oh, wait, no, but they're trusted because they have the experts. They have Dr. Fauci on. They have Dr. Rochelle Walensky. They have the government-approved doctors. Can't have Dr. Malone, one of the creators of the mRNA vaccine and has several patents. Can't have Dr. Peter McCullough. No, but we have to have the state-approved people on to give us information. Remember, just about a year ago, they were rolling out these vaccines, and they said, if you get these vaccines, you are not going to get COVID. It's not happening. They literally, and I hate using that word, but it's true, changed the definition of what a vaccine does. 
and who an anti-vaxxer is. An anti-vaxxer used to be somebody that did not want to give children a vaccine for polio, for rubella, measles, mumps. And he felt that vaccines were giving children autism. You heard this from Jenny McCarthy. You heard this from Jim Carrey and a lot of people on the anti-vax crowd. Well, then anti-vaxxer meant you were against not only the COVID-19 vaccine, but the COVID-19 vaccine mandates. Look it up. It's right there. So you're an anti-vaxxer, even though you're somebody like Dr. Malone, who is vaccinated. He's anti-mandate, which means he's an anti-vaxxer. I'm sorry. Somebody needs to be held accountable for what the misinformation that's being spread. I just played that right there on CNN. I can pull up several more examples if you need it. Why are standards applied to some and standards applied differently to others? So just this past week, you have the cancel culture people. We're talking about that, that mouse book. I've never read it, but in Tennessee, it was like one county schools district said that they, it's probably not appropriate to teach to eighth graders. But 10th grade, it might be fine. And now they're saying, this is modern-day book burning. This is 1950s Joe McCarthy. Yet those same people want Joe Rogan kicked off of Spotify and social media platforms. So you are pro-cancel culture. Now, in my opinion, you should have these books. These books should be available. I think that's fine. I remember growing up, we had a, I think it was right around, actually, it was right around 2000, and they did a whole 20th century, maybe National Geographic or Time magazine. And they put out this large book, and it was in my school library. And I remember they were doing like a, I don't know if it was a free the nipple protest. It was something, some feminist protest in the 1990s. And sure enough, in the book, there are two women, I distinctly remember this, trust me, adolescence at the time two topless women bare boobs i mean and i'm just i remember looking at that going whoa and i'm you know we're talking 2000 so i'm 12 years old and you know you share it with a couple of friends and everything like hey you see this good parent mm, in the book not nice it's the old national geographic type of thing then the next time i picked up that book i noticed that the librarian took a large Sharpie, black Sharpie, right across the nipples. Now, is that censorship? In a way. But, I don't know. It's, that's a difficult subject. Because you are talking about children. Now, that's the huge difference between Joe Rogan and, and by the way, Joe Rogan's not pushing, he's having conversations with people, but they want him banned. Yet, the same people are upset about a book being banned from eighth graders. So where are you in this cancel culture? Where are you, what are your standards? And while we're on the topic of standards, so The View this past week suspends Whoopi Goldberg. Two weeks. Suspends Whoopi Goldberg for talking about the Holocaust. And about Jews 
Jewish people being white. And if you look in terms of intersectionality, they do look at Jewish people as white people. And when I say not they, I, I mean as in you're talking about the intersectional coalition. So that could be anything. All, the woke crowd looks at Jews as being white unless they're being oppressed by white supremacists. Now they're a race. But somebody who's Jewish is white. So, you know, to, to the intersectional co coalition, which is why the Tree of Life shooting in Pittsburgh got massive amounts of, of press, and as it should, because it was a white supremacist who went in there and shot up a synagogue. But if the same thing happened, and it was a Muslim in, oh, I don't know, in Texas very recently, it doesn't really get publicity. Or how about the... Uh, how about, how about the, uh, the Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin? And you had a, a black man who was, you know, had, had a large rap sheet. I mean, it looked like Santa Claus's Christmas list. And mowed down in his car, uh, like injuring several dozen people and killing, I think at this time it was like seven or eight people. I could be wrong. It might be even more than that. I haven't looked in... But that story went away quickly. Or you heard people were mentioning that, oh, was somebody was trying to leave a, uh, a, a domestic situation and he was just in a hurry and just happened to just plow into like 50 people at a parade. You know, accidents happen, you know. But that story went away. Why? Because it's intersectional. It didn't fit, fit the criteria of a Kyle Rittenhouse, who is a white man. I mean, imagine, again, if you reverse the races here. And if it was somebody like Kyle Rittenhouse went into a Christmas parade with a lot of black people, you would still be hearing about this. That's why we still hear about Charlottesville. We still hear about January 6th because it checks the boxes. It fits the narrative. And that's the key word here in this entire podcast is the narrative. Joe Rogan went against the narrative. If you go against the narrative, they will attack you. Who is they? It's this cabal. It's this government-sponsored cabal. And frankly, I don't see it stopping anytime soon. I mean, Joe Rogan right now is, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen to him. Here's what I will say, though, that's kind of interesting. Actually, you know what? Maybe I should play a little bit of uh, more of Brian Stelter and CNN talking about Joe Rogan here. Because this is the story that came out about the, him using the N-word. And you notice the coded language they're using here. Brian Stelter and Jim Acosta on CNN are talking about this in a way where, hey, we're not saying Joe Rogan should be kicked off of Spotify. We're just reporting the facts here because, you know, we're CNN. We're the most trusted name in news. But they're coding their language and they're framing the narrative in a way where, the listener, the, you know, the blue-pilled normie who's listening to this and watching this, who, you know, reads the New York Times and watches CNN goes, oh, this is just completely unacceptable. I, I, I need to, pro I'm going to cancel my Spotify. I love Neil Young, and I'm canceling because of misinformation from Joe Rogan. We've been reaching out to Spotify, asking for comment. Spotify pr promotes itself as just a platform, you know, where anybody can put up their podcast. But with Rogan, they're paying Rogan uh, tens and tens of millions of dollars, reportedly $100 million 
for exclusive rights to his content, including these old episodes full of him using the N-word. Now, uh, listeners have noticed that several dozen episodes have been taken down. Apparently, those are the episodes that, that we've heard clips from today. So Spotify might be on a cleanup mission trying to erase some of Rogan's past. But will the company continue to stand by him? That's an open question. We have not heard back from Spotify. Right. I mean, you know, um, Joe Rogan can continue uh, to host his podcast if people want to listen to it, they can. But it doesn't have to be on Spotify. Uh, you know, some of these companies that um, that, you know, put these uh, types of programs on their platforms, they don't ha have to put them there. Right, uh, Brian? I mean, the are they contractually obligated to do that? Companies like Spotify, Facebook, Twitter, they present themselves just as platforms, neutral platforms. But actually, uh, Spotify, in this case, is a media company getting in business to distribute Rogan. They don't have to be in that business. They've chosen it because they want to grow their podcast business. That's a choice really they might potato. support and stick with. In fact, the other day, the head of the company said, if we're going to be in the podcast business, we are going to host content that's going to make people upset, that people aren't going to like. So maybe the company's going to yeah, stay like with that position. Yeah, like this podcast you're listening to right now. Um, but this is what it means to actually be a media company and not just some Silicon Valley platform the way Spotify used to claim that it is. So, okay. So I believe uh, what Greg Gutfeld called Brian Stelter the turgid tattletale. And he knows what he's doing here because he's, he's not – he's trying to pretend to be very – Oh, like I'm diplomatic. Oh, I'm just a newsman. I'm a guy that uh, I'm the I'm the ombudsman for the media, you know, reliable sources. And no, 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 no. So here's, but they they brought up the point of talking about it being a publisher and not a or a platform, not a publisher. Because if you're a publisher, shouldn't you like Twitter and Facebook get dinged for things that like a meme, for example where it's a, a meme of, like, a football player or an, an actor, that actor, shouldn't they, shouldn't they be held to the standard of getting sued for that? Like, hey, you're using my likeness without paying me for the royalties. Well, what they do is that they treat it like it's the phone company. So if you're Spotify, you're saying, like, uh, 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 you're using this as a great example. <clears throat> so I have Verizon right now. So I... Let's say somebody I am having a conversation with drops an N-word. Now, Verizon, are they held liable for that? No, they're not. Just like AT&T, just like any of that. Or any kind of controversial subject. Is Verizon held liable for that? No, because they're a platform for, for this. Now, it could get to the point where, yes, yeah, somebody does hear it, and then they shut down your opportunity. It's just like a bank, too. It's like, no, we're not going to be in business with you. It's like, no, banks would want to be in business with people. But I, I, it's, it's incredible when I think about where this is going. So as we wrap up the podcast, because I've done just about an hour here, where is this heading to? What is Joe Rogan going to be? going for like is he going to stay on spotify is spotify going to grow a sack and say hey guys look i know you're mad i know you're mad joe rogan i know you're mad at you know i just like i i but i'm sorry we are a platform and we have a lot of controversial podcasts on our platform you don't have to listen 
This is the whole thing of the, this is the Howard Stern thing back in the day, which he's you know you want to talk about full blown cuck now. Howard Stern, it was classic. This was a great lesson. My mom, it made me learn as a kid. She loved Howard Stern. My dad loved Howard Stern. Yes, it would get raunchy. Yes, it would get crude. And we would listen in the car when we would go to school. So we're going to preschool, kindergarten, or if I miss the bus, mom has to take me into school. And they're, they're riffing on the news. They're doing this and that. And then, but if they're talking about lesbians or riding a Sibian, my mom didn't sit there in the car while we're in, the, we're in mom's minivan, the Astro van or uh, <clears throat> what Dodge? We had, a, oh, we had a Dodge Caravan back in the early to mid-90s. My mom, when she was driving, did not sit there in her driver's seat looking at the radio going, oh, my God, I am so offended by what I just heard on this. No, what she did is, oh, they start talking about lesbians and about vaginas, and she just goes, click, that's it, and change the station. And then we're listening to Q104 in Cleveland, which was a, an AC station. They played a lot of safe music. It was, it, it was music you could put on the school bus when you're on your way to school. It was just like, nope, we're, we're going to put something else on. That's it. My mom didn't call the program director of the local affiliate or call Howard Stern's boss, like Tom Chiasano or, or Mark Chernoff, and say, I was really offended by something that I heard on your airwaves today. How dare you, sir? No, just shut it off. No one's forcing you to listen to Joe Rogan. No one's forcing you to watch CNN. No one's forcing this. But here's the problem, is people want to control that. Because that's a big reason, is controlling the narrative and controlling the speech. If you control the language and you control the narrative, then we're done here. We're done here. Then there's no more Joe Rogan. There's no more check your brain with Tony Mazur. It's a bad precedent that we would set if that's the road we're going to go down. But then we should start holding people to the same standards. Oh, you're going to kick Joe Rogan off? Okay. Well, then you should probably also fire Whoopi and she, Whoopi Goldberg, and she should never work in television or do anything ever again. Well, that's not the case. Whoopi's getting a two-week vacation right now. Who knows? She could be in, you know, Florida, having a good time. It's a little chillier in Florida right now. <clears throat> but she's having a little vacation. Then she'll come back and everything will be fine. But if we're holding people to the same standard, then that's got to be the case. Because I personally did, do not want to see Whoopi fired. I don't want to see her suspended. I want to see her try to defend her, her words because I'm of the belief that more speech is better. And you let the marketplace decide. I would love to sit in the crowd and watch a Louis Farrakhan lecture. It could be the most racist thing ever, but I think it's an opportunity to listen to people with opposing viewpoints, even if I find them extremely extreme. I don't know why I said that twice. <laughs> I'm getting tired. I don't have to like everything I listen to and watch. I want my, I want my opinions challenged. Like, we should be able to evolve as a people. And not just evolve because we have opposable thumbs right now. We should evolve our ideas. There are certain things I thought about years ago. I was, when I was a teenager, I thought, yeah, absolutely, invade Iraq, invade Afghanistan. 
It's better to attack them there than have us being attacked. I saw what happened on 9-11. Now I don't think that as much. In fact, I'm so anti-intervention. I, I, I am so, I want us to be sequestered in this country. I don't want us to be anywhere. I don't want any wars. No wars at all. I was happy for Joe Biden for pulling out of Afghanistan. They didn't do it right. Of course, they screwed that up. But I like the idea of leaving a war that we were not going to win. Now he wants conflict in Russia and whatever. Different, different subject. Don't want to talk about that right now. But my ideas can evolve. Yours can too. You know, maybe you used to say gay slurs. And you woke up and you said, gosh, maybe that is kind of offensive to gay people. And I shouldn't say tranny. That's they're going after The Rock because 10 years ago, you were allowed to say tranny where it didn't seem like it was much of an insult. Now it is. So now The Rock has to make an apology by, because he said that word in 2000, we're going, 2011. We're going back this far. It's different standards. Twitter was a different place. And by the way, podcasting was a different place in 2011 as well. But they're going through old Joe Rogan experience episodes to go, oh, you, you said faggot in episode 37 on your podcast that's had thousands of podcasts. We're doing this now? We're really doing this? That's the standard. And same with Whoopi Goldberg. Are we going to, you know, Whoopi Goldberg wrote extremely offensive jokes that Ted Danson performed at the Friars Club roast in blackface. Ted Danson, right after Cheers, he put on blackface and was dropping hard N-bombs, hard R's, on stage in front of other black people, including the then mayor of New York, David Dinkins, and Montel Williams. There's a lot of people in that audience. And he's dropping these, these N-bombs and making people uncomfortable. Now, again, if we're holding things to the, the proper sane standards— you would say, well, what was the context? Well, the context was Whoopi Goldberg, who is black and has been d- dating and hooking up with Ted Danson in the last couple of years, wrote these extremely offensive jokes for a guy who is you know, well-respected and received in the, the world of television and comedy and entertainment. And here he is at the Friars Club where you would, could say the most heinous thing possible on stage, like the aristocrats' jokes. People were horrified when they saw Ted Danson doing it. But it's odd, Ted Danson's career never changed from it. Like, he was never canceled. In fact, he has new shows now. People have gone back and said, wait a second, Ted Danson is in blackface here. Here's Sarah Silverman. Here's Jimmy Kimmel. Why is it okay that you're in blackface? But Megyn Kelly gets fired from NBC News and NB- just NBC, the network in general, because she said that it wasn't a bad, in the 1970s, that if you were a white woman who wanted to dress up as Diana Ross, that it wasn't frowned upon that you didn't go like, hello there, like you weren't step and fetch it with blackface. You just basically tinted, you, you tanned a little bit more. 
in your skin just so you can go, hey, I love Diana Ross. I was a big Supremes fan. She's a great influence on me. I'm a huge fan. I would like to dress up as her for Halloween. All she said was, probably not. When I was growing up, it wasn't the biggest deal. And then she ended up essentially getting fired for that. Now, it wasn't the real reason. The real reason was her NBC hired Megyn Kelly because she attacked Trump on the debate stage, and they thought that she was going to bring in a lot of Fox News people over because they were big fans of Megyn Kelly, and it didn't really work out. When she's having a, a, an interview with Vladimir Putin, and then the next day she's doing aerobics on television. It's just like it, it didn't make any sense why she was there. But they got rid of her for that. Yeah, the same network, still to this day, employs Ted Danson, who was in blackface. So what are the standards? What are the standards? The standards are, if you are somebody who goes against the narrative, you are unpersoned. And that's what they're trying to do to Joe Rogan right now. So what's the lesson here? What do we learn today here in this podcast? What have we learned? Is that there's a good possibility that Joe Rogan is probably going to have some kind of buyout with Spotify. If it doesn't happen this week, it could happen at some point. I don't know what the terms of his contract are. I don't know what's happening after that. But I could see Spotify, who defended him at first, saying, look, there's just, it's just too much heat right now. we got to cut you loose. The bright side to all of this is every single one of those people who were listening to Joe Rogan, whether it was on YouTube at the time, on wherever they got their podcasts before he signed his exclusive deal with Spotify, now with Spotify, I mean, think about the amount of millions of people who downloaded Spotify just to listen to Joe Rogan before all this controversy. Think about it now. There are people right now, as we speak, that are like, I had, you know, I had CDs in my car. Hey, son, tell me about this Spotify. I wouldn't mind listening to this guy. It's a huge, it's a great advertisement for Joe Rogan, for his brand, if you ask me. But here's the big thing. The Band-Aid has been ripped off of mainstream mass media. That the people who are big Joe Rogan fans are not, if, if Joe Rogan gets unpersoned, if his podcast is taken off of Spotify and he can't go to any other podcast platform, including YouTube, including anything else, that Joe Rogan, the only thing he could probably do is start his own website with his own server, with his own subscriber base, and his own company that he would go through as far as uh, charging for subscribers. You know, uh, that kind of partnership. He has to remember, it's like, you know, if you don't like it, start your own website. Okay, yeah, well, start your own social media. Well, that's what happened with Parler. Then Amazon Web Services said, yeah, no, Parler is spreading misinformation about January 6th and COVID and vaccines. So they take it off and all these other platforms get taken off. Or they took took off parlor, so that's probably what the next step is going to be, is that if Spotify cuts Joe Rogan loose, well, where are those Joe Rogan fans going? The Band Aid, like I said, has been ripped off. 
they're not going back to watching CNN anymore. Those same people that in the last several years, and especially in the last two during COVID, are certainly not – if Joe Rogan has his podcast immediately taken away, Spotify bans every episode, YouTube has a, a new search where if you even come close to posting a Joe Rogan podcast, your account's going to be suspended too. That there, it, it will be so difficult to find a Joe Rogan episode or any clip that they will snuff that out. If that happens, the Joe Rogan fan or fan of anything, more free speech, libertarian podcasting, MMA, there's going to be imitators who will pop up. Heck, Joe Rogan was an imitator of the Opie and Anthony show. He loved what Anthony Cumia was doing, not just on ONA, but his compound shows at his home. He would put up a Ustream or a Justin TV stream back in the early 2010s, like in 2012, 2013. And he'd drunkenly do karaoke in his basement. And Rogan would look and say, why aren't we all doing this? This is amazing. This is just a guy who said, hey, here's my Twitter account. In uh, 10 minutes, uh, I'm going live, so go check it out. Then I got a super chat going, and you know you can interact, or here's a phone call thing if you want to interact with the show. And Joe took that concept and ran with it, and look where he's at. So those Joe Rogan fans are not going to, if he goes away, they're not going back to CNN. They're not going back to Fox News. They're not going back to reading the New York Times and the Washington Post anymore. It's not happening. Those people are going to say, okay, well, what's the next best thing to Joe Rogan then, if you're that big of a fan? That's what's going to happen. So for every Rogan that goes away, you're going to have 10 more Rogan, you know, sound-alikes. That's what's going to happen. Now, is that good for our discourse, that we're just going to ban people? Of course not. Like I said, more speech, in my opinion, is better speech because you let the marketplace decide. Just like a TV show that nobody watches. Well, what do you do as a network? As a network, you say, nobody's watching, so uh, we're going to have to cancel. You're going to have to cancel your show. Here's our numbers. Here's our ratings. No one's watching you. What happened? The marketplace decided. Or if you're a restaurant, and the restaurant, every time you've gone there, the food is mediocre, the plates have crust on them, and they're a little dirty, the service is terrible, the manager is a, is a douchebag, you say, then you know what? Enough people are going to see through that and say, I can't, I can't do business here. I can't eat here anymore. This guy's a jackass. He's the manager. Look, my, my fork has, like, food still on it. Was this even cleaned? I'm going elsewhere for food. And that's called the marketplace deciding. So if Joe Rogan still gets millions listening to him, I think the marketplace is deciding that they still want him out there. And if Neil Young and Joni Mitchell say, I don't want my music on Spotify, good. Bye-bye, Boomer. Bye-bye. Good job with your little protest. That's what you did so well back in the 60s and 70s. That's not activism. That's slacktivism. I'm pulling my playlist. Why? Because you weren't making you had generational wealth. You made enough money. You, what, you want more money? Neil Young going to his concerts and he doesn't even play any hits. 
He's not going to play old man. He's not going to play uh, heart of gold or rockin' in the free world. Forget about it. He's going to play B and C sides, and you're going to like it. <laughs> God, I'm tired of all this. So <clears throat> the lesson here is that Joe Rogan will be fine. He'll be fine. At, at some, it, it sucks for him right now that they're going to try and attack him for anything that he said against LGBTQ or the black community because he said the N-word, no matter the context and everything. He'll be fine. Everything's going to be all right. But he, uh, it, his fans are going to go elsewhere. They're going to find wherever he's going next, or they're going to find people who took Joe Rogan's concept and ran with it. It's, you're not putting that toothpaste back in the tube right now. You're not going back to CNN. You're not having those people say, gosh, you know what? I was a huge Joe Rogan fan, but now Spotify canceled him. He's gone. So, <sighs> man, what time's Anderson Cooper on tonight? I could really watch Anderson Cooper 360. I think that would be a great, great compliment. No, they're not doing that. And honestly, you get a lot. I mean, who's watching CNN right now? It's on at the airport. It's on at a cafe. It's on in the background. That's it. No one's watching CNN. Look at their ratings right now. It's, a, it's just a propaganda wing for the state. And no one's going back to them. And their ratings are tanking even more now. The best thing they had was Trump. That was the best time they had was, was Donald Trump. So, yeah. So... That's the one good thing that comes from this is that we have options. We still have options right now for, for the time being. We do. And that right now, podcasting may not be the Wild West that it used to be five, ten years ago, but there's still an opportunity for discussions like the one I've been having with, uh, well, with myself today, <laughs> talking to you folks who are listening. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, until I, who knows, I could get a, I get flagged for this because I talked about masks not really working that well or the vaccine not really working that well. I could get flagged. I don't care. I think these conversations have to be made. And by the way, you can listen to this and not agree with anything. That's fine. And then you can have a counter to this podcast and say everything I said was BS and that Joe Rogan should be banned. Okay. Well, I would like to hear your reasoning for it. But if your reasoning is misinformation, it sounds to me that you're not doing your own research. You're not doing your research. You're just being told you're, you're a mouthpiece. You're a parrot. You're parroting talking points right now. Give me something original. And that's what Joe Rogan's podcast has always been. I haven't been the, a fan of every single podcast, but what he does is he provides an opportunity and an outlet for a lot of people to, you know, have possibly uncomfortable but interesting conversations. And I think we need more of that, not less. I appreciate you folks for listening to this podcast, whether you heard it for free on wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify. Hi, Spotify. And also on Patreon. This is, uh, this is going up if you're listening on Patreon. It's on Monday. If you're listening... For free, it's on Wednesday. So thank you again for subscribing. Again, uh, patreon.com slash Tony Mazer, just $5 a month to subscribe. Or if you're subscribed, 
wherever you get your podcasts for free. So I do appreciate you fine folks uh, out there. I appreciate all the <clears throat> kind words that you've been passing my way, whether it's at my, my day job, my radio station, or just compliments of me being a guest on other people's podcasts or not. So again, I appreciate everything. And uh, let's let's keep having these talks. Let's keep having these conversations because I think they're they're very important in today's world. And we should not be censoring people. Self censorship, you know, it, it, it's one thing depending on your job. But for the most part, we need to have more of these conversations. Otherwise, uh, we're going to be in a, we're going to be on bad situation. We're going to be at bad times if this continues. So, I, I, what kind of precedent we're setting? So. All right, uh, again, thank you, and I will talk to you folks throughout the week. Yeah, you get four podcasts a week from me. I'm such a hardworking guy for you folks. <laughs> Take care now.